you know, we, we go through this eight to 12 month process together and it's, it's intense, man. Like it's, it's a real roller coaster. I think the ride almost always ends up in a great place, but it doesn't always end up feeling very good when you're on that ride. M&A expert Peter Capanna, managing partner at Wise Rhino Group, has a list of common emotions that advisors face when they decide to sell their business. Fully 80% of M&As managing emotions, Capanna says. The financial stuff is somewhat easy, but they're selling their life's work. They're serial entrepreneurs who are going to become W-2 employees, and that's a big mental shift. He joins us to run through the 13 emotions that happen in four phases during the process. Peter, do me a favor and set the stage for us on this very important topic. John, uh, thanks. Uh, the last time we spoke, we kind of did the banker thing. And I talked about EBITDAs and multiples and some of the more technical aspects of a deal. But the, the reality is helping our clients kind of work through some of the kind of the very serious emotions they experience, I think is the hardest part of what, of what I do and what Wise, Wise Rhino does. You know, we, we go through this eight to 12 month process together and it's, it's intense, man. Like it's, it's a real roller coaster. I think the ride almost always ends up in a great place, but it doesn't always end up feeling very good when you're on that ride. And I'm probably killing my future business by bringing all these things out in the open, but it's the reality and, and it's in going through this process and, and not talking about it doesn't make, doesn't make it go away. The one thing I will say is having a guy that's done this all before and to tell you what's normal and not normal and things will be okay and keep you focused on the long-term goal and why you started this thing to begin with in a nutshell is kind of a, a big part of, of the services that we Understood. Now, there's different phases that they go through. It's almost like the five stages of grief, I want to say. But uh, let's go through those individually, if we could. It's not Beginning grief. <laughs> it's not quite <laughs> grief, <laughs> but it is. It can be. It can be taxing. So the first is the preparation phase. Uh, you know, we we kind of break it into three segments. In the preparation phase, in this part of the process, we really we gather a lot of information, and we get we get clients' financials organized. We get to know them a lot better in their business. We ask a ton of questions and. Ultimately, we kind of end the phase by creating this valuation, which gives them an idea of what to expect in the in the process. Let's go through each of, uh, you know, kind of what happens in the preparation phase individually, beginning with guilt. All right. First, first emotion, let's say guilt. Uh, we're going to start with a heavy one. And that's guilt for even considering selling to begin with. Um, guilt that you aren't selling to the business to your child or to a junior partner who thought they were going to be in line to buy it. Um, you know, the reality of internal succession is, is very, very hard. If you sell internally, you're kind of taking on additional personal risk uh, that it continues to work out after you leave. And you're likely selling that at a deep discount as well. But it, it doesn't stop you from guilt, feeling guilty about choosing to sell externally. There's also you know, a decent amount of guilt about starting a sales process and that you're hiding it from your team as you kind of should. Having meetings behind closed doors, you don't want to disrupt the current business with a lot of fear of the unknown. So and the team really shouldn't be in on the process at this point, but sometimes it's a little uncomfortable at quietly getting things started. Understood. That's fascinating. I mean, guilt. I thought people would be excited to sell and never really thought about, you know, the internal succession. No one is excited to sell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they might get excited eventually, but no one's excited to sell. Understood. Uh, second in the preparation phase is unease. So uneasy, uneasy about losing, you know, control of your practice. I mean, I had a client last week, who told me they have never had a W-2 in their 35-year working career. Wow. And for many folks, it's been a long time since they worked for anyone else. Uh, they're concerned about the loss of control, but I like to remind them that potential buyers aren't going to pay millions of dollars for a business and then mess with it. Uh, they just want to remove the drag so they can grow faster and they can, you know, ultimately, they're still going to be running their own P&L at, 
the end of the day. And the last motion in the preparation phase is concerned. Yeah, concerned. This is a big one. Um, advisors hear the word private equity and they immediately go to Richard Gere in the movie Pretty Woman, you know, buying companies and breaking them apart and firing all the employees. Well, um, yes, ultimately, yes, there could be some people on staff whose main functions will now be handled by an acquirer, uh, accounting, maybe HR, CFO, tech, marketing, possibly. But usually it doesn't affect more than a few people. And those folks could have new roles in the in the buyer's larger firm. And believe me, they are star for talent and good people. Or those folks could be repurposed into roles that would help the firm grow faster and really crush your earn-out opportunity. The reality is most of the time, 100% of the staff you want, key you want, uh, stays post-sale. Understood. Moving into the marketing phase, the first emotion that I see here is surprised or excited or flattered. Uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's tell you about the marketing phase first. This is the part of the process where we, we start to introduce um, our clients to potential firms, and we narrow that list down to three or four that we go very, very deep on. We end the phase by deciding on the new partner and negotiating the deal, but ultimately signing a letter of intent and effectively getting engaged to be married. Now, surprised, excited, and flattered. I cheated there. I I combined, I combined uh, three different ones, emotions into one point, but they all happen in this phase. Um, as all my clients have heard me say, it, you know, it, it, turn, it never turns out the way you think, but it usually turns out pretty great. And some famous firms you thought would be a slam dunk don't work out. And some firms you've never heard of can, can end up being the perfect fit. Um, but we, we set up a lot of dates for our clients and all the suitors are on their best behavior and they're usually very interested. My clients start to see how they would fit in and often um, what they what they say they wanted at the beginning of a process starts to change a little. And as, as they see all these potential wonderful and unique opportunities at some of these dynamic buying firms, it's all very exciting. In fact, it's exciting and it's flattering and it's surprising. <laughs> and that's why I kind of bundled them all together. Well played. Uh, so the second uh, emotion in the marketing phase, skeptical. I will follow this one under high class problems, but it happens, right? They, they want to know if these offers are real or not. Advisors don't believe the numbers and the deal we negotiate is, it, for them is real. Uh, they think there's a catch or that things will change once we get due diligence starts. So I kind of have to pinch them a little and, and say, pinch them over Zoom. So no, no contact um, and say, yes, this is real. And yes, they will write you a check this big to buy your firm. And in four months, yes, this number is going to be in your in your bank account. They still kind of don't believe it. That's amazing. So they they actually think that you're bringing them numbers that are higher than they would expect. They, they think it's good. They're going to get less. That's amazing to me. Well, I, I'll tell you a, a, a secret. You know, I always value very conservatively, you know, and I get to set the bar, then I get to jump over it. But a lot of times the valuation in their mind is more than they thought. And then when the reality happens, now it's multiple deviations above what they were thinking. And you know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem real, but it is. Yeah, that's amazing. So the last emotion in the marketing phase is uncertain. Yeah. Do you really want this? This is, so this is human nature here. No matter how big the check, no matter how big the opportunity, my clients will always start to question if they really want this, if they want to sell their business and become a W2 employee, uh, even if they just still retain a lot of control, you know, they want to know, can they still wear shorts to the office on Fridays or Sure. Will they ever be able to take a vacation again? Or will they have to report to someone? And will that someone be a jerk? Uh, the reality of actually selling kicks in. And let me tell you, no amount of zeros on a check stop people from feeling this way. Change is really? hard and change is scary, even if it is the right move. 
That's great. So moving on to the due diligence phase, do you want to set that up? Yeah. Okay. So this is this is the most painful of the phases as the big deep dive happens here. You know, from from the buyer and letter of intent has been signed, and, and now the not fun work starts. And that's 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 the due diligence phase. So moving into the first emotion, overwhelmed. Yeah, dealing with the flood of data requests. I usually recommend my clients all get colonoscopies before the first two during the first two phases to be more comfortable with what happens in due diligence. Of course, I'm, I'm joking, but yes, the buyer is going to ask for a ton of information. It's going to take a decent amount of work to gather it all up. Usually, they start to maybe include some other folks from the team in the process who can help with this. But still, it's a, it's it's a lot. Uh, the good news is. We have already in our previous work of the, of the first two phases, we've already got our clients pretty well organized uh, and we have likely done a decent amount of business with these buying firms before. So we really, we really can help here, but ultimately there is a lot of things that only the advisors and the business folks have access to and that and they need to find. And, and listen, it's, it's a lift. It, it really is. It's worth it, but it's a lift. I'm not surprised by this next one. Nervous. Yeah, will clients follow you? We're nervous about the clients. Uh, this is 100% a concern of every client I have ever worked with, even when the process to move clients has a negative consent to it, uh, where it just requires them to not to not send something back saying they don't want to move, uh, which is the easiest path. It still creates a lot of nervousness. Telling all of your clients about the change you are making and, and giving them a good time to break up with you, so to speak, the reality is almost almost all of my clients end up moving 99 to 100% of their books. Um, when clients get consent notices, they ultimately ask two questions. Number one, do I still get to work with you? Number two, is this good for you? And and then they sign. Understood. Uh, next in the due diligence phase, adaption. Yeah, go forward conversation. Will it be different? I'm cheating here, John. Um, this this one, I, uh, this one, I don't think adaption is an emotion. <laughs> But hey, sometimes the thesaurus comes up short. Um, yeah. But stay with me for a second. There are, there are many business owners who do really, really well. And the net profits of their firms every year provide, provide them with seven-figure incomes. Um, when you do a deal, you won't be making seven figures anymore, at least not right away. And it's very hard for people to accept that. Now, you traded that income for a huge check. And yes, if you grow the business, you can eventually grow that income back. But again, in their heads, they forget they just put the next 13 years of foregone current income into their bank accounts, and this, and they forget that they now have stock that you know, is hopefully going to triple over the next five years. Folks tend to fixate on the de- on the decrease, and they get a little bummed about making three hundred thousand dollars the first year with their with their new firm. For, again, forgetting that they're trading in every dollar of that foregone income, which dropped to the EBITDA, into ten dollars of the deal <laughs> into deal value. In yeah. your pocket. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, tell me about fatigue. Everyone hits the wall at some point. This one's very, very real. Uh, at some point, my clients have a little breakdown and they want to call it off. Uh, sometimes that happens three or four times. Uh, it's a long process. They just cannot respond to another inquiry from the buyer or they find out they can't keep their you know beloved Commodore T80 computer that they've had since middle school. Yeah. And they freak out. They keep all their client information on. And and uh, and when they do, you know, I, I'm there for them and I listen and I remind them that they have the ultimate control and they don't have to do this deal. Then I remind them why we started the process and, and, and the needs it addressed. 
and we do some compromising with the buyer. And, and I think most of the time we, you know, I know we get back on track. Great. So the last emotion in the due diligence phase, torn. Torn. Uh, sharing with the team, sh- sharing this these proceeds with the team or with key folks. This one is tough. And all my clients struggle with this. Uh, should this big check be shared with key people in the firm or with everyone on the team? I mean, how much should be shared? Will it be appreciated? Will it have a positive effect on future performance? I mean, how much, if anything, of the earnout should be shared with the team, you know, is another thing they wrestle with, right? Um, this is hard, but we help our clients find the right balance so they kind of feel good about it at the end and it has the desired effect. But, you know, it's they, they feel they feel, you know, a little bit concerned that they're maybe not sharing enough or maybe sharing too much. So we've got to find the right the right balance. Understood. And so the last uh, phase, emotional phase when selling a business, closing and life after. Yeah, deals closed, your, your new business, you, you, you got your new life with your new partner and it started. And uh, and there's, you know, things that happen close to you. I'm squeezing an additional phase here, but this one is, this one's maybe the most, most important one. Um, the first really emotion I think folks, folks experience is relief and elation. Again, I've bundled them into two. Um, in many ways, the end of a process and the close is really kind of anticlimactic. Um, it's this long and arduous process that's kind of consumed your life. And then it's over and you have more money in your bank account than your high school guidance counselor or Mr. Pajaki ever thought you'd have. Sorry, that I got a little personal there. Mr. Pajaki never thought I'd have much money in my bank account. But <laughs> <Yeah>. seriously, <laughs> but seriously, your family is likely set for generations and, and your years of hard work have now sort of officially been monetized. Uh, I have been honored and I, and I, and I say honored on more than one occasion to have received an envelope from my clients that have a a very nice check for the services that we provided and a note that says, thank you for changing, you know, their lives. And I, it's, it's corny, but I love this job because in the end, everyone feels that they've won. The buyer gets this great new firm, the sellers monetized their life's work and they have a, a partner they're excited about. And Wise Rano gets a small fee for guiding them through this, you know, ultimately what is a kind of a tough journey in doing so successfully. It makes it all worthwhile. Wonderful. So the last emotion in the final phase, uh, Lucky 13, surprised. Yes, life isn't that different the next day. Uh, the day after the sale, it's the same office and it's the same team. And it's in many ways the same challenges. The difference is now you are part of something bigger. And yes, some things will change eventually. But those changes were probably needed and in the most part, overwhelmingly positive. Um, There could be career paths for advisors and their staffs in these growing organizations that they never really thought of before. And and it's always a pleasant surprise of life after selling. Peter, it takes an incredible amount of emotional intelligence to do what you do. How does it affect you? (laughs) Uh, Well, it's uh, again, it's it's an honor to guide folks through this process. It's. I, I am confident because I have done it so many times successfully before. So I, I, I'm always empathetic. The day that I am no longer empathetic is a day that I officially do become a, a, a jerk, Wall Street, Richard Gere, investment banker, and, and the day I'll retire because I, I, I do care. And, you know, the only hard part about it is, uh, I, you know, I have multiple clients. So I get multiple emotions coming from every direction yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I stay that I stay level and that I'm always empathetic to what they're going through because 
it in many ways it's the most f- important financial thing that's ever happened in their lives and i never forget that i never take it for granted and try to make sure i'm i'm guiding them and and, and uh, giving them what they need absolutely fascinating peter that is exactly what we needed thanks so much for joining us thanks john